Enterprising in my surroundings I'm finding the quietest estates these days This representation of storm brewing Amazed that the focus remains The vocal focal point of my change Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast I'm your host, Matt Chittam And this is the podcast for all the dedicated Amateur runners out there who are working hard To get better while balancing running With the rest of their lives I'm so excited for today's show It is with Kate Keen, someone who just won the Flying Pig Marathon. She is an, a remarkable person. And what she's kind of just following her over the past couple of years has been so instructive and so exciting because, you know, she's one of those people who obviously is super talented. She just won a marathon, for, for goodness sake. But she's also had some ups and downs and she's emoted, um, you know, in her in her Instagram and, and digitally so that people have really kind of connected with, uh, with her as a person, not only as an athlete. And she's just such an awesome person, super positive, but at the same time doesn't sugarcoat stuff. And it was really fun to hear what's been going on in her life the past couple of years and what has led to her getting back to winning this marathon where, you know, for a while she wasn't sure where her place was in running. And and she's one of those people who, you know, work from home life and stuff like that during COVID just wasn't a good fit. And she was struggling big time. And she has certainly gotten out of that. And it's exciting to see. And I was so pumped to get her on this episode. Now, we're going to get into episodes for the next two months or so where it's going to be kind of marathon madness. People running all sorts of amazing races. And, you know, this is going to be a marathon season like no other. You know, all these marathons packed in together and it's awesome. And I can't wait to follow all these people. With that being said, you might be thinking about, hey, I want to get in on this marathon stuff and I want to get ready for the spring. Let me tell you, now is the time to start planning for that, especially if you're not if you're not an experienced marathoner, because putting in those two hour runs over a long period of time is so vital. And that's why if you're looking for a coach who's going to help you not only next spring, you know, six months from now, but three years from now, head over to McCurdyTrained.com. I'm a coach there. I would love to coach you and to work with you to get you to the point where you're doing the sorts of runs and challenges and races that excite you and make you so proud of yourself because you are awesome and you can do awesome things, but it takes work. It takes time and we can do just that. So head over to McCurdyTrained.com, fill out a questionnaire, They'll get back to you right away, and I would love to work with you as an athlete so that you can get in on this marathon madness, something that I'm going to do as well. I haven't run a marathon in a decade, and I'm going to be running California International Marathon, and I'll tell you what, it has been a process, right? I've helped a lot of people run marathons. It's just different when you do it yourself. It's not that I've forgotten any of this, but still, walking the path is different. And I'm just, uh, it's been really fun. I'm really excited for, for a California International Marathon, that is for sure. Couple heads up about two live shows at the Richmond Marathon and Half Marathon next weekend. That's right, next weekend. Me doing a live show on Friday with Kira D'Amato and Bart Yasso, 12:30 at the Expo this coming Friday in Richmond. Also, we're going to be doing some live shows at the California International Marathon, just like we did in 2018. We're going to be doing that late afternoon, early afternoon, yeah, late afternoon on Friday and Saturday at their expo at CIM with the race on Sunday morning. Just so much awesome stuff going on. Great time to be in the podcast space, that's for sure. A lot of great podcasts, not only here on the Rambling Runner podcast, but all my friends with all these other feeds are having awesome, awesome shows. So go check them out. Thank you so much for listening. Now let's get into it with Kate Keen. Kate Keen, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited. What a weekend you had. My goodness, the Flying Pig Marathon. 
Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Second time, third time on the podium. Third time on the podium? Third time on the podium. Yeah. Third time racing and third time on the podium. Holy cow. All right. So before we dive into it, what's the allure with this race? Why is this one that uh, you've stuck with for a while? Yeah. So I actually, I grew up in three different states. Um, I grew up in Northern California and then I moved to Cincinnati for junior high before I moved to Texas in high school. And actually this was the first marathon that I ever watched, um, outside of my house when I was younger. So when I started racing, I wanted to do, do all the races backwards, um, from where I lived. So my first race was in Dallas. My second one was in Cincinnati and my third was in Sacramento, but happened to just have had a lot of success here in Cincinnati and had a lot of love. So it's kept me coming back. That is awesome. Were, were you really that intentional of exactly where you wanted to race or re- was that something you kind of figured out after the fact? Nope. I, I did that on purpose. It wow. just so happened. It just so happened that um, CIM in Sacramento was a perfect, was perfect timing for qualifying for Olympic trials. But yep, that was, that was my plan. Oh, that is cool. All right. So you, so when did you run CIM? Which year? In December of 2018, so the year that they had that massive amount of females qualify for the Olympic trials, they had 99 of us. So that was awesome. I was there that year. Yeah, it was great. And we had perfect weather. It was like a unicorn of a day. We had perfect weather. We had a perfect number of people. It was incredible. All right. At the end of this, you're going to have to, we'll, we'll die. We'll do a little, like a little race strategy at the end for people who are running CIM this year. Um, namely me. So you'll give me a little, little one-on-one coaching session at the end of this podcast. And there'll be other people Perfect. who are running CIM. That is for sure. But with that being said, you've had some time away from racing. So we'll talk about the reasons why. But when you were thinking about kind of the when and where of getting back into the mix, why did uh, Flying Pig, you know, kind of rise to the top? I think after such a long period of time away from competing, my last marathon had been the Olympic trials. And, you know, I, I did do little races. I did um, a half marathon here in Fort Worth. I raced a 5K in Austin, but it never felt like I was gearing up for a big race. And when Cincinnati was coming back after we had had all of these races go virtual and all of the cancellations and the pushback, it just felt right that if I was going to compete again, that this is where I was going to go. I knew I was loved. I knew that I was going to have a lot of support. My entire extended family lives in Ohio. So I was going to be able to have them compete with the kicker, come down and watch me compete. And I just knew that pre-race, I was going to get the all of the support that I needed from everybody in my family. And, um, it was, it was just, it felt right for all the right reasons. Right. And obviously you, I, I mean, I shoot, maybe they've changed the course for all I know. I haven't run the race before. I'm assuming you're pretty familiar with the roads and the course. Cause you've done before you live there and just some familiarity with that experience must've kind of, I mean, shoot, everyone's nervous before a marathon, but it must've calmed the nerves a little bit. 
It did. Yeah. It, it's always nice that if you're going to come back to the sport after, you know, a long time away, it feels uh, good to know that there's some familiarity in where you're going to be. And, and in the course, I've run, done it before. So, you know, it's not like I was just going in blind. Um, I had the, you know, the strategy down where to stay in the hotel, where to eat the night before. I knew I knew all the things prior to it that weren't going to stress me out. There you go. All right. So you qualified for the trials in 2018 at CIM, that wonderful day. So many people did. And heading into 2019, so you've had these experiences the past couple of years, these highs and these lows. So walk us through what happened in 2019, which was obviously, not obviously because people don't know it yet, but was certainly a, um, a big deal for you and a traumatic experience. Right. Well, so I qualified for Olympic trials, um, in December. And by March, I was attacked by a dog while I was doing a long run on the trail here in Fort Worth. And that was nine weeks before my next um, flying pig. And so that was, you know, I had a huge high. And then, you know, also some life happened in between there too. That was a little bit of a low. And then this happened and it just felt like, you know, how, why did I go from such a high of qualifying qualifying for the trials and then these just major blows came in that I couldn't overly control um so it, it was 2019 was really was really hard I didn't race another marathon um after the flying pig you know nine weeks after I got bit until the Olympic trials so I really haven't raced that many times for a full since 2018 this was um this has been a long couple of years. Wow. All right. So when you were coming back from the bite and looking at fall 2019, and I remember at that point, there were so many people were wondering like, okay, what is the timeline here for the trials? And obviously depending on what the, someone's goals were for the trials. And we had a lot of people kind of opting out of fall marathons who really wanted to make sure they could maximize the trials. Were you in that boat or was it just you were at a point physically or and or mentally and emotionally that you just weren't able to race in the fall? I think it was I think it was both. I on one hand knew that a fall marathon was going to be a lot of my body to bounce back again in by February. And two, I didn't overly have it in it in me emotionally and physically to do a full. I did do a couple of halves. I actually won the Dallas half that December, but the idea of doing a full so quickly off of, you know, that, that experience and that setback didn't really thrill me. And I just wanted the time to recover and heal and come back stronger when the Olympic trials came around. And were you able to do that? Were you able to put in the training that would make the trials experience one that you were you know, proud of and happy with? I was. I, I raced in, in Las Vegas. Uh, it was like my first comeback race after the Flying Pig when I got second in 2019. And I just had fun. I definitely got my butt kicked in the last couple of miles out there on the strip, but I had a great time. And then when I raced in Dallas, that was obviously fun because a lot of people there, but yeah, I, I feel like I got what I needed. It's always for me about making sure that I'm still enjoying what I'm doing. I'm not getting paid to run. I'm not a complete professional athlete. I have a full-time job. I've got a, 
you know, a life and I'm in my twenties and still trying to navigate everything I'm doing there. So I always have to remind myself that if it's getting too stressful and I'm not enjoying the process, I need to take a step back, take some time away and then, you know, want to and miss it and want to come back to it. So that was really my goal was I wanted to go into the Olympic trials excited and wanting to run and, and ready to go because I loved it. And I was, I was passionate about it. Yeah, because you're also in a position where you've been at races, as we've talked about, where you've won marathons and you know, won and, and placed high in other races. And obviously you have a lot of different choices you know, when it comes to race selection. So what's it like for you when you go into a race like the trials where you're not necessarily like there to win? Mm-hmm. Are you to do? Do you approach it any differently? Does it like how how does that jive with like what you did this weekend in terms of maybe your approach may or maybe not you know being a little different com, com, you know when you compare to like what your potential outcomes might be? Right, I I always approach it the same. You know, you never know what the day is going to bring to you. You could have like a really breakout performance. You just are not. You can never predict beforehand what's going to happen. I feel like I approach everything just the same. I tried to go into the Olympic trials just reminding myself how happy I was to be there. And, you know, no matter how the day panned out, I was not going to be so focused on one result that if I got a different result, that it dimmed the experience. So I approach everything the same. You always have to approach all of it all of it with the same passion and, and focus. Yeah. I love that. I know there are certain people who went into the trials kind of, you know, kind of on the outside looking in of like, all right, am I going to make the team or not? And kind of approach it like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to like kill myself for the trials. I'm, I'm just going to go have fun. And I have, you know, other spring marathons I'm targeting. Obviously we know that none of those <laughs> actually came to fruition, but well, a lot of people, a lot of people approached it kind of like, all right, this is more of a celebration. And then I'm going to go run Boston after this? It totally was. Yeah. It was a total celebration for me. I think a huge win was being able to say I finished the race. No huge win is being able to say I started the race. It was a brutal, it was a brutal course. The number of people that DNF was insane because of, you know, the conditions and the course was so hard, but I think it's just a victory to get there and be like, I am on the start line and I'm here, I'm healthy and I'm, you know, excited and ready to go. But I also thought it was a huge accomplishment for me that day to say I finished the race because it got real tough out there in, in Atlanta. All right. So say a week after the race ends, kind of like the high of the experience kind of starts to melt away. What was your feeling about what your short term and maybe like up to like a year, year and a half race future was going to hold? I think at this point, we still were a week away from the major lockdowns. So I was actually ready to race again in three months. That was my plan. I was going to race again in May in the Flying Pig. It was, you know, just a quick turnaround from Atlanta, but little did we know what was going to happen. Um, all of a sudden, everything got postponed to what we thought was going to be the end of 2020 and then ultimately canceled. And I think I went through a pretty big low. It was like a post-Olympic trials blues, but it didn't hit me for a couple more months because I kept training and 
running and we're trying was trying to navigate working from home and you know how far do I need to run right now what's the point of running right now what are we trading for anything it didn't really hit me until about September or October where I I just needed to take a step away and I was in pretty a pretty big funk um realizing that I I just I love to run when I have a goal. It's a good makes me feel like I'm waking up with a purpose. And there was a lot of moments last year where I felt that void of having a purpose and it was it was really tough. Um it was very hard to go again from, you know, such a high to a huge low like that. And when you say you need that purpose for your training, have that have those usually meant that like you have a race on the calendar or something along those lines? Yeah, I I've always just been a competitor and not having a race on on the calendar to gear up for was really challenging for me. Um I I think it's, you know, it's just a test of a test of my competitiveness. I like to, and I, I really just like to compete against myself, but I, I like to do it in the atmosphere, the race environment and, um, you know, not having that and having everything go virtually was, was difficult. And I think it's incredible how many people were able to get through all of that and run so many things virtually. I wished I had, um, you know, more of that ability to do to do those, to do that. But I, I struggled a lot with, um, with not having something to gear up for, like, like a race on the calendar. Right. Cause we've had so many people, um, whether it's people in the ultra and trail community go after like FKTs or other people try to take on maybe distances that they normally wouldn't do. Right. There are a lot of people doing like virtual miles and stuff like that. Um, when you think back to those times now with you know the hindsight being 2020 what do you think were some of like either your personal characteristics or just your mental and emotional mindset that kind of kind of stopped you from embracing that moment or just you know not even embracing cuz that makes it sound like it's a decision but more like that that moment in time that period of time was one that you really um you really struggled with uh, because you know, you've you've been pretty open and honest about this, and a lot of your posts on Instagram that you had you really struggled during that time. So, what what do you think about about Kate Keen was was something that you know really had a hard time grappling not only with like the work stuff but the training stuff and and the melding of the two. Yeah, I think it was you know that's just life. You know, I'm I'm more than a runner, and I was trying to navigate so many changes at one time. And I wouldn't say that I necess- didn't necessarily, you know, embrace that time because I really did everything I could from, you know, within my within my means to, you know, take full advantage of this of this what I would maybe call like freedom of working from home or, you know, freedom of not having to like have a race on the calendar and all of that kind of um, you know, structure, but to be honest, you know, I was just made for structure. And I think that I tried really hard to, you know, try to be something that I wasn't. And I tried really hard to, you know, to, to navigate through this until I just realized that like, you know, this is just the way I was made. 
I was made for, for structure. And I, I had to implement that for myself at some point. Did you start putting a lot of pressure on yourself when you started seeing, uh, certainly not everybody, but there were certain people that were, that were really kind of like doing some interesting things during COVID for, in, in the running space. Like, what, what was that like for you and seeing those, those, those efforts and challenges and things like that and, and knowing that for you, it just, it just wasn't fitting um, for you and, 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 you know, coming to grips with the, the dichotomy there. I think you hit the nail on the head. It, you, I was watching, you know, through a screen, so many people do, you know, different things. And they were like, I'm going to run, I'm going to run a six hour race, or I'm going to run my own Boston around my neighborhood, or I'm going to all of a sudden just tackle something I've never done before. I'm going to run a hundred mile weeks back to back to back. And I just, I, I was struggling with that point in time because I was like, you know, I just didn't, I didn't really want to go there. I didn't have the motivation, I guess, to, to do these other things. And it was difficult to watch because I just was wondering like, well, what's motivating them right now? And why am I struggling with a lack of it? Um, so, you know, social media is, is really, it's a, great thing and a negative it's a bad thing all at the same time because you're kind of seeing what these people are doing and you all of a sudden you know it's just such an influx of information constantly and you're always like okay well you all of a sudden put it this category where everyone is doing something else so why can't I like why am I not getting there but you know truthfully it's just a it's filtered it's all filtered of what everyone wants you to see um, so I think more people were struggling than maybe they share. Right. And we see everybody, right? Yes. So it's not like, I was thinking about this the other day too. Like if you just like followed like one person, it wouldn't feel like that. You know, you'd be like, oh, they posted for the first time in three days. I wonder what's going on, you know, but like you see, you know, updates from hundreds of people. So it, it almost like coalesces into like this one person, like my social media feed is a person. As opposed to like this wide group of people who are having varied experiences. Exactly. You know, it's like, it's like everyone likes to say, Oh, I don't, I don't get on there because everyone is getting married. You know, you just see like, <laughs> right, you right. know, it's like all of my friends are at a wedding. Well, actually you have a bunch of different groups of people that you've met over the course of your life and they happen to be, you know, at different weddings and events over the course of several days of a weekend. And you just, yeah, but it, you, well, you're right. You, you all of a sudden group it as like one person. Right, right. Now, so when was it, what was it like for you when you finally kind of leaned into the acceptance of your experience and kind of and came, came to that realization of like, all right, I'm not going to push this anymore. I'm just going to kind of, again, accept my reality of the situation and, and then move forward uh, in that light. Yeah, I, I stopped running for a while. Um, I gave myself a break. I also think my body was really tired, you know, mental and physical fatigue from, you know, just constantly pushing the limit. You need a break. And I, once I accepted the break, um, I wouldn't say things fell into place, you know, immediately. It still took a lot of time, but I gave myself that that time away and a break from it. And just a little bit of grace, I think was went a long way. And 
Um, once I, once I just all of a sudden leaned into the fact that I wasn't going to be that person that was running, you know, a hundred K I felt better about it. I didn't have to be doing something because someone else was doing it. I needed to focus on what was I doing that Kate needed to do for herself. And that I was the only person that could make that decision. And what was it like thinking about the future from a running perspective? Like, were you constantly at points, you know, either pre, during, or post break, you know, constantly, you know, thinking like, all right, but what's next? What does this mean? What, what, what am I going to do if this happens? What am I going to do if that happens? Were you able to disconnect from like the brain forwarding machine or were you able to, or did you kind of stay in that mode and maybe that, you know, oftentimes can kind of, kind of amp up some of that tension? Yeah. I, I think I've always been somebody that looks at what's next. It's a, it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it's a blessing to where you're always pushing. You're trying to make the ceiling that you just once broke through the floor of your next, you know, mountaintop. And I think it's also, it's a great thing because it keeps you going, but it's also very difficult because it makes you um, it makes it harder to look at where you are and be really like happy and grateful for, and just, and slow down in that moment. So I think that, that experience made me realize that there were some things that I just needed to be patient, um, and slow down and, and realize that it was okay to not have some monumental successful moment in that period of time. Um, and, and give it a while, you know, I didn't have to succeed at something every couple of months because that's, that was my trend. I, I was starting to realize that I needed to be happy doing other things that weren't just focused on my success as a runner. And how long were you able to hold on to that mindset? I, I think once I got to about April, um, that is when I really started focusing on getting ready for the flying pig again. That's when I realized I, I, my body was ready to go. My mind was ready to go. Everything was ready to go. And I think getting, establishing that period of time of patience for those few months from about, um, September, October of 2020 until April, you know, that's a significant amount of time to, you know, develop and, and learn, you know, more patience. And once I just let that flow into starting training for a marathon again, that's what made, you know, this race this weekend so successful. And when did you know that it was time to start ramping it up? Was it because of Flying Pig or was it something more internal? Um, well, you know, I'll just be honest with, with life. I went through a breakup and I would just, I, you know, I'm, I have a life outside of running too. And I definitely, um, was struggling with that. And I realized that, you know, that's not the only reason I went back into marathon training, but marathon training helped get me back to feeling better about everything again. Um, and you know, there's no hard feelings. Everything has worked out exactly how it's supposed to and worked out for the best, but that was tough. You know, going through a heartache and a heartbreak in your late twenties is never fun. And I just leaned into who I was again and getting back into marathon training is, is exactly who I am. And focusing on the flying pig is, you know, one of the, one of my 
one of my favorite things is is going to that race and competing. So, you know, it just, it helped bring me back to center a bit. So as you were ramping up, once you got going again, did it feel like you were able to kind of slide right into the marathon training that you had done before or something similar? Or was there like a, a period of time where you had to kind of knock off the rust as you got back into into that mode? Yeah, I was knocking off some rust for sure. It's not always that easy. But once I started, I had my, you know, longest run in a couple of months. And then I had my, you know, first 20 miler. And then I had my second 20 miler. And then I had a 22 miler. It started falling. Things started falling back into place again. And I always had to remind myself, like, I didn't have new legs. These legs in this body has done this before. So I'm familiar with all of it. So I had to, you know, once I kept that mindset, it it helped me handle all of it a little bit better. And once you got to that point, did it feel like you had kind of returned to this feeling that you had before? Or does it or was it like a, a new feeling that you you know had kind of progressed past all these other things and now you were in kind of a, a, a new mode? I guess I guess um I guess maybe it could be even a little bit of both. It doesn't have to be an either or question. Yeah, I feel like I was in new territory, to be honest. I feel like I wasn't the same person as I was in 2018 and even in 2019. I, and honestly, maybe not even from the trials. I, I don't think that I'm the same. I think I was entering a new phase of my career and running felt, felt just as good and better in some ways. I felt like I was entering a new, a new era for myself. Um, and that was really cool. And I, I just think that it was an experience that I needed to have in order to keep, keep going and realize that I had such a long career ahead of me. I was going to, it's always going to have peaks and valleys, but you know, I still have a lot of time. So it's, it was fun. And it had been a while since you raced a marathon to win. So was, did your competitive juices return or were they different at all? Oh, they were, they were there. I've, I felt like a caged lion for a while. And, you know, in Cincinnati, you never know who's going to show up. You never know who's really going to be there. It's not like we have an elite field handed to us prior that of who's all racing. Um, but yeah, I, I was feeling competitive. I was feeling really just ready to go out and compete. So at what point in your training did you start to get an inkling that you we're going to be at a similar level that you've been to in the past in terms of, you know, when you get to that starting line that you're not only going to be racing to win, but that there's a, there's a real possibility that it could happen. Yeah. I honestly think that we dealt with so much heat down here that it was hard to have such a good, it was hard to have a gauge of how fit I was. Like I, Neely Gracie is my coach. She's been my coach for five years and I would have a I've always have good workouts, but nothing that ever just seemed to really stand out. It always just felt like I was hitting everything, but I was, I'm in, I was like, I'm in shape, but you know, it's not like I'm above and beyond where we thought I was going to be. But I did one workout, um, a couple of weeks ago, as soon as the temperature dropped and it was two by five mile tempos. And I did the second five miles very quick. And it was that moment where I realized that every day putting in the work prior to this day had been successful. Um, and it just, you might not realize that you're putting the work that you're putting in every single day is going to add up and build up to this big, 
to, to something big, but it made me realize in that moment that I, I was ready to do this and ready to win. And Neely's been a, a guest on this show a couple of years ago and, and she had a very emotional uh, appearance and it was, um, you know, she, it's easy to see why she is so beloved by so many people. Uh, take me back to your conversations with your coach when you were struggling with finding, you know, purpose in running and where this all fits in and, and all the things that we had discussed the last, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. What were those conversations like with your coach who obviously has a vested interest in you you know, short-term, obviously, but also long-term. Yeah, I think there was a point where Neely genuinely did say to me that she was worried that I wasn't gonna, that I didn't, she was just worried about me. I think that that's a general, that was a general consensus. It was a worry of, do I want to keep doing this? Am I going to be able to do it again? You know, I just, my body was really, was really struggling. And I, you know, you can relate that to maybe it was because my head was struggling or I was tired or it was it was COVID and isolation, but she had been with me for so long that I was in this period of time where I had never, you know, been this way. I'd never felt so bad. Um, and I think that she was just concerned. I mean, Neely is also my friend and she's, she's a great person to talk to for advice and, and about life and what's going on. So I think that there was some genuine, um, feelings there of, of wanting to just first make sure I was okay. And then, you know, coming around second, like, okay, well then as an athlete, where does this, where does this take you? What do you want to do next? Um, but like I said, it all started to come back together and she was there every single step of the way for me. And I could not have done this without her. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. Cause that can be tough. Right. Cause you're sitting there like, all right, like I, I obviously this person wants me, you know, believes in me and wants me to run well, but at the same time, like you don't, I've had points where like, I didn't want to like disappoint my coach yeah, and maybe have held back in terms of like saying how I felt about running at certain periods of my life, because it's not that like, I thought that they would like be mad or, or something like that, but it was just kind of like, Oh, I don't, this person's my friend. I don't want to like, influence our relationship by sharing this sort of thing. Yeah. I, um, I wasn't nervous to talk to, talk to her about it. Oh, that's I, awesome. I really wasn't. And I think that that just goes back to me. I always have to remind myself that I'm doing this right now because I want to, not because I have to, I'm not, you know, getting, uh, this isn't my sole source of income. This isn't how I, my likely, my livelihood and how I survive. So I'm doing this all because I choose to. And I had that open conversation with her when I just had realized that I just didn't know what I wanted to do next. And that was around September of last year. And um, I was honest. I just I had to tell her how I'd, how I'd been feeling. And she helped me every step of the way. And here you are, a year and later. here I am. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so- it's amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's, it's amazing. And, and I, I recommend anyone uh, who's listening to this to head over to your Instagram. And there, there's a bunch of media and content uh, surrounding uh, this past weekend on your feed. But there, there's in particular, you have a video of your post game, post race interview that is really well done. And I've seen a lot of these in the past. And this was one of the, the most engaging 
post-competition interviews. I've ever seen. So kudos not only to you, but the gentleman who's doing the interviewing, who's got a chance to know you because yeah, you seem to be at the podium every three time. Times. Yeah, yeah. Talk so three he, times. <laughs> yeah. So it's not even like a first time experience, but um, this was obviously a very emotional race for you from, you can tell at the finish line, obviously you, you are, were overcome with emotion and understandably so. Was it that way the whole way or what was the, the beginning parts of the race like for you when you finally had a chance to race a marathon again? I felt so alive when I started racing. I felt like this huge weight and it wasn't a weight of feeling like I needed to race. It wasn't a weight of pressure. I just felt like this huge relief that I got to breathe out as soon as that gun went off. And it was like, I just entered a place where I was in such, I was in the zone. I mean, I was just focused and, and excited and happy. And I was smiling so much of that, of that race. And I was, I knew, you know, as by mile five, that this was going to be one of the best races I've ever had. It's not my fastest time. It's my second fastest time, but this course is hard. And I knew I was running well, well under, you know, any, anything I had ever run before. Um, and I just, I knew I was going to have the day of my life and I was ecstatic about it. So, you know, when I got to the finish line, I just was so happy. I was so happy that I had done it. I was so happy that it was, it, it was just like such a delayed amount of delayed gratification in that moment it had taken so much of me to get back into running. It had taken so much of me to overcome, you know, all of the feelings of last year and the year before. And, you know, I'm a very, positive and happy person. So having gone through that experience of just feeling really down was not something I'd been familiar with before. It was really challenging for me. I leaned on a lot of support of my friends and my family and my family really watched me go through it. And I think that they were, they had moments of concern where they were wondering, you know, what can they do and and why, why is Caitlin feeling so bad? And I think that it just, they were so happy to see me in that moment have just so my light back in me, you know, I was just, I was back to who I was. And I felt every bit of that emotion when I was talking to the interviewer at the end. And when I hugged um, Iris Simpson Bush, she's the race director. She was at the very end of that course. You know, she knows all the things that I've um, struggled with too. So, you know, it's just a moment of having, you know, that just release of, you know, everything that I went through was also for a purpose. You know, I, I can, you can look back on everything and say, oh, I wish I hadn't have gone through that. Well, I actually am really glad that I went through all of that because it's made me so much stronger as a person. It's made me so much stronger mentally, physically, emotionally, and it's made me so grateful for what I have looking, going forward. And it's, it's like they say, you don't know how, how good something is until you've experienced something bad. And, you know, that low moment has been made, has made me so grateful for the good ones. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's, it's like you don't understand how great something is without the relative nature of comparison, right? So if you only right. have those wonderful experiences... Well, then they just seem like the normal thing, right? My kids watch these cartoons where they talk about that. I think it's like the, anyway, 
I'm not going to get into that. We will move past that. We all um, love good cartoons. We all love a good yeah. cartoon. So you're 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 so eloquent describing this emotion, this, this pent up emotions, and then this this release, this burst of emotion on the race course. So I have to ask if you have these feelings so early in the race and the certainty of oh my god, today is the day, and you um you're like it seems like you're just this ball of kinetic energy. How were you able to pace yourself appropriately? I can only oh imagine gosh. what that must have <laughs> yeah. felt like and not gone out, you know, too hard because how many of us have felt so awesome and then push the envelope just a little bit and come back to bite us? Luckily, Cincinnati has some really humbling hills. And I knew that if I took those hills too fast, that they were going to come and bite me in the butt later. So I truthfully was, was, using the hills as my governor in a way to to help me not, you know, go to the red line way too early. Cause that was, I did have a thought briefly. I said, you know, barring disaster, I said in the back of my mind, barring disaster, this is going to be a great day, but you, exactly. You never know when disaster is going to hit, but I just, um, you know, I used the hills as my governor a little bit, but Luckily, as well, my dad and my aunt and my uncle saw me five times on that course, and I used them as like my energy source. I was able, every time I saw them, I made eye contact with my dad, gave him our little signal, and it kind of just fueled me. It was awesome. Oh, my gosh. That is awesome. All right. So give me a little little update on what you're taking forward from the experiences that you've had in recent years to help make sure that not only you're running, but your life continues to be at the, the best level it can. Obviously, you're going to face more hurdles in life, but you've experienced some as well. So what, what have you taken from these experiences that you think will, will help you moving forward? I think being honest and transparent about everything that I'm going through has been really helpful for me instead of burying it and being that, you know, I'm a ray of sunshine. I like to describe myself as like almost all the time, but I think being able to show when I was going through something hard, um, helped me a lot. And I think continuing to be transparent, not only about all the great things, but also all the really hard things is a space that I'm learning that I can really fit into um, because I am, you know, a blue collar runner. I'm a full-time, I have a full-time job. I work, you know, for a large corporation. I'm in my twenties. I'm trying to date. I have a family. I have ne- nephews and nieces. And I, um, you know, I think I can just be a really good example of somebody who's trying to juggle it all um, while still having goals going forward. So running wise going forward, I still want to keep competing and getting faster. I think that I have such a long career ahead of me in terms of the marathon. Um, So I'm nowhere near my best. I'm nowhere near my peak. So I think there's just, this just helps you know, keep pushing me along and keeps the momentum going and, and helps me keep seeing, you know, that there's going to be lows and there's going to be, there's going to be hard times where you just feel like, you know, why am I doing this? But then there's also going to be those moments where you're like this, those sweet, sweet moments where you're like, this is why I still 
get up at 4.30 in the morning before work every day and I do this. So I just think that I've got a long career ahead of me now. I love that. All right. So you wake up at 4.30. What time do you go to bed? Oh, man. Oh, I should. This is I'm going to be a horrible example for people. I, I probably go to bed way too late. I aim for 9.30. Sometimes I'm not. My eyes aren't closed until like 10.30. I'm a sucker sometimes to watching some really good TikToks. So that's my phone sucks me in. I try to I try to put it away, but um, I shoot for nine thirty. Doesn't always happen. Yeah, you know it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you, you finally have that tough. alone time, and you're like, oh, alone time. But like, you're finally like, all right, time to decompress. And they're like, do I really want to go to bed right now, or do I want to like enjoy this time? Yeah, do I want to like soak it in? My dog's not barking at me. No one's asking me to hang out. No one's asking me to do anything. I don't have to clean my dishes or do it like do anything around the house so i'm just like ah oh, so give that nice silence for a while <laughs> for sure for sure all right now now you need to put on your coach hat or your coach whistle grab your coach stopwatch and whatever whatever coaches have whatever paraphernalia you're looking for and let us know what your cim strategy would be for runners out there who are trying to have the best cim experience that they can have So CIM, I think people see the net downhill and think that it's just going to be fast, but you're also going uphill almost as much as you are going down. Um, So I think to just remind yourself that the course gets hard at around mile 16 or 17 because you're still going downhill really hurts your, can hurt your legs too. Um, you know, we've all probably experienced that. So I would just say, go out and be conservative and let the course kind of take you take go along with the course, but don't try to outrun the course because you have this idea in your head that it's supposed to be really, really fast. Um, you know, stay within what you've trained for. And then in that last 20, 20 mile, 20 to 22, you can really go for it. Right. Cause it's not like it's a fast 5k course where right. you can just like, marathon. you know, <laughs> red line and book it. It's still a, still a freaking marathon. Exactly. <laughs> and they do this thing at CIM where at mile 20, they put this big fake brick wall around it. So you are like have to metaphorically break through the wall. Um, so it just like kind of gets into your head a little bit and you're like, Oh, well, is this supposed to be the wall that's supposed to, that I'm supposed to hit at this point? Um, I thought it was really funny, but um, that's nice. They have to put mine at mile eleven. Yeah, there you go. You're like, well, well, time to go. <laughs> there you go. No, that's right. All right. So, hey, before we get going, do you have anything else on the calendar that that you're looking forward to? Maybe this winter or in the spring. Um, you know, I am still deciding in the spring which marathon I'm going to do. Um, I've got a couple of options. So I'm going to keep those maybe close to myself until I decide right now. Um, but I've got a half and a, a definitely a half that I'm looking towards. Um, I'd like to get my half time down um, while I'm in this good a shape and I have this momentum. Um, but I haven't decided on which marathon I'm going to do yet come the spring, but it's in the works. Yeah, and it's you know, USATF is kind of dragging their feet on um uh, on what the, the, the trial standard window. is going to be yep. and what the window is going to be. Is that ultimately one of the next goals? Is just qualifying for the next set of trials for the for the marathon? Absolutely, I think it it's such a great feeling to know that this past weekend, if the standard hadn't hadn't changed and if the window had been opened, I would have qualified um, with my time. That's just like such an amazing feeling. But you know, 
I, I know that I'm going to do it again and um, we'll see, we'll see what they say. So that's obviously the goal. So once that comes out and once we have, you know, an actual timeline and idea of what I've got to do, then, um, then that's going to be where we head. Well, Kate, congratulations on a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You rock. It's been a pleasure getting, getting a chance to talk to you. Of course. It's been, it's been awesome. Thank you for making this work with my just a cell phone. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Kate, thank you so much for coming on the show. How can you not love this woman? She is just truly remarkable. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And thank you for listening. I really, really appreciate it. Have a great day and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of In Post Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.